Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Echo Church. And uh, for those of you who might, it might be your first time here, um, we're called Echo because of the fact that um, the love, the joy, the peace that we have, it actually doesn't necessarily come from us. That we are a resonation of, of the source, and the source is God Almighty. And uh, we have a, a, a mantra, I guess, or a saying that comes from uh, the Lord's Prayer that says, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. And the idea is this, is that whatever it is that would exist in heaven in terms of, you know, no anger, no pain, that type of thing, that it might actually exist here on earth. And we, we take that responsibility. We say, you know what? We're going to be vessels of, of God's love. We're going to echo that and resonate that throughout the city of Missoula, as Joe was talking about. And we're going to do it in such a way that it brings God glory. So that's the general overarching idea of this, of this title of, of Echo Church. Today we begin a new series. And I, I hope some of what I just spoke of will resonate throughout the series as well. What I'd like to do right now, though, is just start with a prayer. Uh, there are a few people that I'm wanting to lift up in prayer. Uh, for those of you who do not know Don Evans, Don Evans is uh, the executive director of uh, Union Gospel Mission, but also Five for Nine Hope, which Coco uh, is, is an employee of and works with. And Don lost his son, lost his son a month ago. It was, it was, it was a, a terrible situation in the funeral or the memorial. It was yesterday, and uh, I so wanted to be at it. But I got to tell you right now, when he, when he came into my office, he still had a smile on his face, and his, and his his eyes were all red, as they should be. Um, but th the fact is this, is that he said to me straight out of the gate, he said, you know what? I continue to move forward because I'm going to bring glory to God no matter, come what may, you know. Like that's the resolve that's in his heart. So I want to lift him up in prayer. I also want to lift up Barb in prayer as well. Actually, Barb and Al, as they go over to Helena, they're going to be speaking to different uh, lawmakers and state representatives, attorney general, talking about the idea that, you know what, victims of sexual and physical violence, specifically women, need to have a voice, and they need to have uh, a place that they consider safe to have the encouragement around them, and this is what the organization of Jane Doe No More um, champions, and so they're going to be talking on behalf of Jane Doe No More. I also want to pray for Missoula Interfaith Collaborative. They recently got back from Helena after meeting with state representatives about mental health. Hey, listen, these things are happening in the name of Jesus Christ, right? The world can't ignore the fact that guess what? Despite all of the black marks on the name of Christianity throughout our, the history, right? God is good. And you can see the blessings of his goodness through his people on the earth. And our church wants to be a part of all of that. So please pray with me. Lord, we come before you right now. And Lord, the, the, the first thing on our hearts, Lord, is just that you be with Don Evans and that you just wrap him up, wrap up his family and just give him peace. Lord, I thank you so much for the heart that you have given him, and I thank you for his devotion to you. I thank you for the fact that um, he, he wants to, above all else, glorify you and uh, just be with him at this time and, uh, and continue to be with him as he um, moves through life um, without his, his kiddo. And uh, I just ask that you really bring him strength um, and bring the entire organization that he leads as well the strength to continue to move forward. Lord, I ask that you be with the Jenkins. I, I thank you for Barb. I thank you for her message. And I thank you for the ways in which you're using her to glorify you. Lord, may there be a place 
that is safe enough for people who are victims of sexual and physical violence that they may come to that spot, that they may uh, find the voice that's needed, and that you are being a just God, that you are filled with mercy and with justice, Lord, and that you would deliver. And Lord, I also thank you for Missoula Interfaith Collaborative and the work that they are doing to bring relief to those who are homeless, but then also those who need mental health services. And Lord, use your church in mighty ways so that we can extend the love that you have to the people who are just so desperate for comfort and for peace and for clarity. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the people here. And I just ask a special blessing on today's lesson as we move forward into this next series. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so this series doesn't have a name. I told Ethan, I said I don't have a title. Uh, it doesn't have a name yet because I'm not content with the name that I gave it. And I will get to that in just a second. Today's lesson is meant to be a primer. So here's the way that this year is going to be rolling out. It has been heavy, heavy, heavy on my heart that there are certain aspects of our relationship with God that we need to fine-tune or perhaps we need to dig a little bit deeper into. We have some major things coming straight at us. And listen, if we're not prepared, we're just going to suffer, all right? So what do we do as Christians? So here's what I like to do. You know, it's nice when you can see sort of the goal, right? If you're hiking somewhere. Sometimes, I don't know if it's nice or not to be able to see the M as you're climbing that trail. It seems so <laughs> far away. But, uh, you know, whatever the goal might be, you can see the finish line. In this particular series, I want you to consider Easter. Now, I know Easter is all the way in April, and so that seems uh, quite, a, quite a ways away. This particular series, believe it or not, is going to walk us all the way to Easter. There are about 11 weeks between now and Easter that we are going to fill with a particular study that revolves around Jesus Christ. You will need your Bibles. You are going to need to accept the fact that you're going to immerse yourself into His Word, which we're going to talk about in just a second. After that, we're going to have a series um, that is, I, I just call it New Testament postcards, where we're going to be looking at several of the epistles. These are the things that Paul wrote about. And we're going to be looking at the messages of Paul. Uh, and it, they're short, sweet little lessons and, and should go very quickly. We're also going to address the issue of women in ministry. I've already said this at the very beginning of this year. We're going to address that issue. You can already see why it's really important for us as a church to begin to use the Word of God and to really dive into it, develop a love for it. Because when we approach an issue like women in ministry, it's filled with all kinds of landmines and things that could blow us to pieces, Right? Don't let that happen. Learn your Bibles. My father is teaching a class on Thursday nights about how to use the Word of God. I encourage you to go to that, all right, and, and learn how to use that tool. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But then later on in this summer, I was debating whether or not we should have another series of memoirs of a Missoula pastor. I thought it was very encouraging to have different pastors from Missoula come and share. But I also want to ask you this. Do you have a lesson in mind? Do you have a series in mind? So here's, here's your first opportunity where the guy up front said, hey, why don't you tell me what to preach? All right? If you do, I want you to approach me privately. All right? Don't raise your hand right now. Okay. We're going to dive into this week's lesson. How many of you went to the state finals for the speech and debate, high school speech and debate? Raise your hand. Nobody? Okay. Miles, you did. Miles, like, it was, it was me. And then, Emma, are you two the only two? I thought there was someone else. Uh, no, okay. Well, anyway, they came back champions, in my mind, and uh, 
And, and they did really well. Emma placed third in something amazing, and so uh, that, that's fantastic. But what I love about speech and debate is this, is that you have these children who are stepping up in front of everybody and trying to conquer one of the world's greatest fears, right? They are going to communicate to the masses. And so today's lesson, I've already gone over before, but there's a question inside of it that I have asked for some time, and I'm going to get to. So I want you to bear with me as I go through this. When we talk about communication, there's a certain process. I've outlined this before, so I'm going to kind of blast through it, but I'm going to go a little bit deeper this time because there's an aspect of the communication process that I want us to focus on. So first of all, here we go. Whenever there's a communication process, what we call the communication event, there's the sender and then there's the receiver. There's somebody who's going to say a message in their mind, I want to play soccer, right? And so he's like, let's play soccer. He has to encode that into a, a, a particular vessel, right? Has to package it in a particular way. He, he could say it out loud, hey, let's play soccer. But what if he doesn't know how to talk? What, what if there is some sort of an impairment? He might do sign language, you know, whatever that might be. I hope I didn't offend anyone who knows sign language. You know, it's like one of those kinds of things. He might pass a note. You know this. You, you write a note. It's like, let's play soccer. You know, that kind of thing, right? However it is, he's going to package it into the message. He's going to send it over, and then she's going to decode whatever that message is. And so she decodes the message, and it's, well, I guess he wants to play soccer. Okay, what's, what's interesting is, is we could say, that's it. There's your communication. The problem is this. If she doesn't respond, can there be communication? You see, by definition, the goal of communicating is understanding. All right? Most people would agree. The goal of communicating is understanding. But how much understanding can occur if there's no feedback? And so what she might do is this. She's like, well, well actually, I want to play basketball, you know? I'm hoping that we can play basketball. And so she sends that feedback back. At least he knows she received the message. She knows what I was talking about. How many of you have sent a message to somebody and you didn't get any response, right? And in some ways, that's a kind of feedback, <laughs> right? Okay, uh, the things that are going through your mind. But she gives feedback. She completes the loop of the communication cycle and all is good in the world. Now, that's if we are communicating in essentially a vacuum. But the reason I point this out to you, the reason I want to go to this particular phenomenon, you're doing it all the time. You're doing it right now. I've told you this before. When I went to Hellgate High School, I took a communications course just as a throwaway course, you know, and um, I, I was like, man, I'm going to have to give a bunch of speeches and that type of thing. And the teacher stood before all of us, the entire class. He said, well, I know you're probably thinking you're going to give a speech next week. You're not. You're going to learn how to be an audience. And that always resonated with me. I was like, learn how to be an audience. We, we just sit here, right, and smirk, you know, that kind of thing. What's his point? He's saying, no, no, there's communicating that's happening. There's commun if we're talking about communication as a whole, the sender and receiver are in this endless cycle of communication, Right? But there's something else that comes into play. And it's this thing called noise. And I'm fascinated by noise, and I want us to talk about noise. And so today's lesson and today's primer for the series ahead of us, I'm gonna, I want us to zero in on this phenomenon of noise. When we talk about noise, what are we talking about? Well, I made my own definition. I looked up several. I didn't like them, so here's mine. <laughs> Anything that distorts or interferes with the communication process. 
Anything that distorts, nobody used that word. I think that's a fantastic word. Anything that distorts or interferes with the communication process. When I say interfere, it could be nothing happens, right? You, com- you communicate in the sender, the receiver received nothing, right? Anything that interferes with that. So as we're talking about that, um, you, you, you talk about, all right, well, what kind of noise are we referring to? There are essentially three, I mean, you could, you could break it down in a number of different ways, but I'm going to break it down into three different kinds of noise. The first one is this, is that you have environmental noise, right? We're all familiar with this. Environmental noise is simply this. It's other people who are talking. It's the classic baby boomer who forgot to turn off their phone. I, wait, did I say baby boomer? I'm just kidding. Uh, but, you know, anybody who doesn't silence this and it goes off in the middle of a theater, all of a sudden, you've got noise, right? And it interferes with the channel. Or if you're in a theater, what else do you hate? Talking. Yeah. People talking over each other, that type of thing. There's outside noise. There's the loud party at your neighbor's house while you're trying to take a nap. There um, is the irritating hum of your computer or the air conditioner or whatever it might be. Sometimes you'll be with somebody and you don't notice the noise, but they do. Have you ever seen that situation where you're sitting there and they're like, what is that? You know, if you ever go visit down south, I guarantee you'll say that. Because cicadas are all over the place, and they make this high-pitched sound. And the rest of the Southerners, and those of us who acclimate to it, we, we don't notice it anymore. <laughs> but it's like, you know, and it's driving people crazy. So there's the environmental noise. You might notice that if you and I were to go meet somewhere, I actually have a select list of places that I will not go visit, and those that I will. I really enjoy City Brew, but I also go to Arby's. I remember uh, Olivia was going to join the elders and I when we go to Arby's. She's like, you're meeting at Arby's? And I'm like, yeah, it's quiet. <laughs> Nobody goes there. It's like <laughs> you, you, you sit in there and you can hear the conversation. It's fantastic. This is not a, a racial thing, but I avoid Mexican restaurants. Every single one that I have been to. It's so loud. Go to Cafe Rio at the middle of lunch hour and see if you can understand what each other is saying. Same with Red Robin. I, can't, I just can't handle it. It kind of depends on where you're sitting at that time. But the environmental noise is such, I don't want this channel to be interrupted. And neither would, hopefully, the receiver. The second kind of noise is this. It's called semantic. Semantic noise. Essentially, it's this. Many times they attribute this to the sender. Okay, But it's not just the sender. But semantics, what am am I talking about when I say uh, semantics? The ways in which we what? Maybe talk, articulate certain things, the phrases that we use. It's one of the fun things about being in, in, in in a culture where we have such three distinct generations, in my opinion. We all have our own lingo. I keep waiting for the word awesome to go away. I think it, I think it might be. Sometimes I get the feeling that it's, it's on its way out, right? But we all have our different, different lingo, and we say different words, and sometimes the semantics get in the way because we misunderstand what a person is trying to say, right? There's the physiological noise, which is also a type of semantic. In other words, articulation problems. People get on my case about this all the time, mumbling. Well, J.D., you're kind of mumbling right now, you know? I can't quite understand what you're saying. Talking too fast, talking too slow, forgetting to pause, forgetting to breathe, all of these kinds of things. On the other side, though, on the receiving side, there are other types of noise that are physiological, right? They might have a hearing problem, okay? There might be a hearing issue. There might not be any hearing at all. 
And that gets in the way of delivering the message. We now understand that trauma, especially early childhood trauma, whether it's neglect or abuse, actually changes the brain. It malforms the brain. And in such a way that sometimes kids who have such high levels of trauma, right, that they cannot process well. And in certain environments, that physiological difference, it gets in the way of the way that you're trying to communicate to them. They might immediately go into some sort of a fight, flight, or freeze mode just because of the tone of voice that you're using. And now, um, the more that I learn, especially with burn the ships on our Wednesday nights, addiction. Addiction will also change the way a person behaves, the way the person uh, brain functions and the rest of it. So that becomes a type of noise. But then the third type of noise is this, and that is what a lot of people will call psychological noise. I like the word internal. What's going on inside? There's noise right now. Some of you right now, you're thinking of some other thing, right, that's getting in the way of a particular message that's being delivered, right? It might be the stress of your job. It might be the fact that you didn't get caught up on the chores at home, right? It might be that you think, J.D. looks funny in this shirt, or whatever it might be. There's processes. There are processes that are going on inside. You know exactly how this is. You'll be speaking with somebody, and sometimes you can just tell, they're not really following me, right? And it's, it's I mean, it's fascinating. Um, and so there is the, uh, the internal um, things that get in the way. Some examples of that would be... Um, Sometimes there are phobias that we have, certain fears that we might have. I already talked about the fear of public speaking, but what about the fear of enclosed spaces? What if you're in a conversation with someone and the group is really tight? Or how about this? If those of you who, who remember Seinfeld, the show Seinfeld, they did an entire episode on what? The close talker, right? <laughs> the guy who's like, you know, he leans, he leans this close, you know, and, and you can't get away, that type of thing, Right? All of a sudden, there's something that's interfering with this particular um, communication, and it happens to be psychological. There could be racial prejudice. We've got to wake up to the fact that there is racial prejudice, and that racial prejudice gets in the way all the time. When I went down, um, down south, I've, I've said this before, I, I had a difficult time understanding, understanding what was being spoken to me from black Americans. And the, the truth is, is that... Maybe I could expect them to speak a little bit more clearly, but that was the culture. So I thought to myself, well, maybe I'll just sort of pick up on this as, as I go along. But I'm an idiot. After 10 years, I still had trouble and, and, and struggle with that type of connection. But that would be the case if you went to some other country, if you went to Iceland or some other place where you would be surprised, you know, or uh, uh, England or, you know, the, the UK, you might be surprised at what you can understand and what you can't understand because of... Um, the, the different dialects that people have, but then also the racial prejudice that might come alongside. Now, I don't feel like I have any racial prejudice, especially, you know, when it comes to black Americans. It's, in fact, if anything, I'm more fascinated than anything else. But there are those that even if they hear music that they associate with a particular race, suddenly that becomes noise in the channel. We have all kinds of noise that gets in the way. And you're probably thinking right now, well, J.D., this is great. Great little lesson on communication, but so what? Well, here's the, here's the question that's been rattling around in my brain. It began with this question, and that is, how can we reduce noise? Especially in today's culture. You've probably got a phone in your pocket, in your purse, on the seat next to you. 
that will create all sorts of noise, both internal and external, right? How can we reduce the amount of noise that's in the channel? That led to another question, and that is, does Christianity possibly play a role? Is it possible that being a follower of Christ reduces noise in our communication? Uh, more specifically, if we're talking about being a follower of Christ, we're talking about love, right? I mean, that's, that's the pivot of everything that we have, God's love for us, and then that's being echoed throughout our lives, right? Love's at the center. Is it possible that love affects noise? That's the question that I have. It's this question of, does love affect noise? Well, obviously, I think you would assume my theory is yes. Of course, that opens up some interesting additional questions. If the answer is yes, then is it possible that Christians would become some of the more powerful, articulate communicators in this world? That sounds a little arrogant and boastful, right? But if love is able to reduce noise, what are we capable of as Christians? If that's the central part of our message. Are you following what I'm saying? So I want to look again at the communication event. I want us to realize it's far more messy than any of this because I left out another aspect of the communication event. We already talked about it a little bit in regard to noise, but it's this. We have these things called worldviews. Right? So we have this, these worldviews. I have my worldview. This person has their worldview. What are we talking about when we talk about worldview? Essentially, it is the comprehensive conception of the world. Notice how I said conception of the world. In other words, it's how a person perceives reality around them, right? And I've heard this phrase often. Perception is reality. In a sense, in a person's worldview, that's true. In another sense, outside of that worldview, that's not necessarily true, right? And there's sort of a tension in there. But basically, all of the beliefs that I have make up this idea of a worldview. It's a framework that I've created out of ideas, out of attitudes, out of observations, out of my own personal history, out of beliefs, out of philosophies. I create all these theories, right? In other words, hey, if you're late, let me tell you what you should do. You should set your alarm clock five minutes earlier. That's my theory, right? And, and for me, that makes a lot of sense because that is my worldview. That will change everything. Now everybody gets to be on time, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. But is it true? Well, for me, I think that it's true. That's my worldview. And the truth is this. I'm going to have tons of stuff in my worldview, and so do you, okay? Spoiler alert. <laughs> that is not true. It's not true. It's not grounded in reality sometimes. It's fascinating. But that's not to point fingers and to have different fault. It's just to say that the way that I see things and act out and everything else is going to be far different than the way she does here. So why would I point this out? Because for communication to become better, for noise to be pushed aside, the sweet spot is right here. It is this area that I call immersion. I couldn't find a, a, a label for it. But it's this idea that we immerse ourselves 
into somebody else's worldview. In fact, the idea that we're going to immerse ourselves suddenly means that we have some level of commonality so that we can communicate in a particular way. Do you see what I'm saying? Because now she kind of understands why I think a particular way and that, you know what, I think soccer is probably the best sport on the planet. And I understand that she's really good at basketball and she doesn't know a thing about soccer and so she's going to want to play basketball. Like that's the kind of stuff that we find in the, in the middle between these two things. Ministry circles will call it contextualization. In other words, you're going to put yourself in someone else's context. And so in that context, you'll find clear communication. But it's my belief and my theory that immersion is what's going to get rid of some of the noise. Because all of a sudden, you understand the worldview, which means that whatever noise was coming through there that distorts the message, you have some context to understand it better. Do you see what I'm saying so far? Business blogs write about this. There's an article in Success Magazine that says this. It's an article called Listen to Communicate. It says there's a big difference between hearing and listening. Hearing means being able to recognize sounds and vibrations. Listening is communicating mindfully, being understanding of the other's emotional state and taking into account the context of communication. When we communicate with other people, it is inevitable to encounter stereotypes or language barriers that impede us from interpreting the message correctly and objectively. However, this can be improved through increased awareness of the differences among us and others who communicate. We should try to take in and understand a new perspective or opinion, but still simultaneously process and have our own judgment of the level of truthfulness and morality in the conversation. In other words, even business professionals and all sorts of different industries have clued into the power of, of this right here. But what about Christians? See, this is where I think love comes in. How much do you love another person? I'm, I'm not talking about your family or even some of your friends. I'm talking about people you just don't even know that well. How much are you willing to love to the extent that you would allow the worldview to come closer to each other? For the immersion to increase. Because when the immersion increases, what happens? The message becomes clearer, and there's what? Less noise. You got our next one? Yeah, there you go. Less noise in the channel. And that's the theory. The theory is this. The more that you are willing to love another person, despite their differences, despite your racial prejudices, despite your worldview, and how much it disagrees with their worldview, yet you're still going to find some power inside that says, I'm going to be patient, and I'm going to draw closer to try to understand who this person is. You will become a powerful, powerful communicator. Do we see this in Scripture? I believe we do. I think Jesus is talking about this all the time. Because when we talk about what it means to know Jesus, when we talk about what it means to love Jesus Christ, what does he always bring it back to? Well, do you love each other? Because the way in which you love each other is going to be the way in which you love me. He gives this parable. It's kind of a parable in chapter 25 of Matthew. 
the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed of my father and inherit the kingdom that's been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. The righteous will answer him, well, when did all of this happen, right? And the king will answer, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. What is he doing? He's setting us up for the kind of love that we're supposed to have, the kind of love that's supposed to exist between two worldviews, that despite whoever they might be, strangers, enemies, that we would draw closer to each other. It's fascinating because Paul talks about this as well. He talks about the fact that he becomes all things to all people. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 22. I'm not going to read through the whole part. I'll read starting verse uh, 22. When I, am, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. So when Paul would address the Jews, and you can see this in Scripture, when you read his letters, when he addresses the Jews, or in the book of Acts, when he addresses the Jews, where does he start? He starts with Scripture. That's what they knew, right? But when he's with the Gentiles, does he start with Scripture? No, he does not. That's not where the worldview is. That might be where Paul's worldview is, to look back through the ancient manuscripts. That's not where theirs is, right? When, he, when he's speaking to the Greeks, when he comes into Athens... In Acts, chapter 17, he comes into Athens and he's going to talk to the Athenians. They have gods all over the place. Their streets are lined with them. Where does he begin? With Scripture? No, no. He looks at their worldview. He says, I'm, I'm going to come into this worldview. If I'm going to communicate clearly, I'm going to see this worldview. And so that's what he does. He starts his message. He's like, I'm really amazed at how many gods you got here. It's almost like a compliment to them, you know? It's like, wow, you guys are really idolatrous, you know? And he begins his lesson. The Apostle John reminds us in Revelation 7, 9 that, that John, the Apostle John, when he's given this revelation, that he sees a great multitude from every nation, tribe, people, language, all of them standing before the throne. What does that tell you? There is extreme diversity in the worldviews and the different people that we encounter. And they will all be surrounding the, th the throne, right? So the point is this. What if you were to immerse yourself deeper into someone else's worldview? Would it affect noise? And what I believe is this. Your love of them will affect the amount of noise, the misunderstandings. What else will love do? If you look at 1 Corinthians 13, you're going to find that love also, as a Christian, creates a better context, a better vessel, Right? Sometimes better in terms of the encoding and, and decoding process. Because this is what happens. Um, wait, where am I with my slides? I, get all, I always get ahead of myself. Is this where we are? Okay, great. All right, so here we are. So uh, essentially when we're talking about what, how, how might love help with this particular situation, as the cycle of communication is happening again and again and again, we might stub our toe on a number of things. Maybe something was misinterpreted incorrectly. But what does 1 Corinthians 13 remind us? Love's patient. Love is patient. Yeah, they just said something that's pretty offensive. So I can react like the rest of the world and be angry and put my fist in the air, tweet about it, that solves everything. You know, like all that kind of stuff. 
or I can love because love is patient. And maybe there's a misunderstanding there. What else is love? Love is kind. Even when someone is difficult with you, they're kind. Love is kind. It's me being kind, even when they just they don't even deserve it. But I'm gonna draw closer in their worldview. What else is it? It's not jealous. In other words, it doesn't, it's not about me. I can't walk into things looking and, and comparing myself to so many other people. This is one of the drawbacks of social media. We find ourselves posturing ourselves with so many different people, right? It's not jealous. It's incredibly safe because it can bear all things. It can believe anything that you throw at it. It is objective, in other words. That is what love is. It's a place where hope is seen and found, and it can endure all things. It is extremely powerful. Love will not fail. Read 1 Corinthians 13. That will set you up for close immersion and excellent communication. Now to really hit you with it. I don't know. Do I want to do it or not? I asked Ethan this morning, I was like, should I stir the pot? He's like, well, you're asking the wrong guy because I like stirring the pot. <laughs> so I'll give, you a, I'll give you a living example, all right? So I'm going to appeal to your graciousness. <laughs> I'll give you a living example. Who can identify with this? <laughs> you know what this is, right? I mean, this is all over the place. Right? In other words, you got this group of kids and, and they're being rambunctious, which they pretty much were, you can kind of tell, right? And all of a sudden you have what appears to be sort of this weird face-off between this young kid wearing a Make America Great Again hat and a Native American, a 64-year-old Native American, right? And there they are. What's fascinating about this, nothing really happened. So I'm reading the article at the very beginning, wondering how the Native Americans were being harassed. No words were exchanged. So there were no words. There were no actions, right? But obviously there was some communication. There was something there, right? And they were eye to eye, so to speak. And is this a smile of, of a kid that is maybe nervous? Or is it a little malicious? I mean, what, is, what does it look like? Because what happened was this. All of America immediately responded with their conclusions because they already knew exactly what was going on, right? But do we? That's the question. I would even say, does this particular gentleman, does he understand, was it Nathan, right? Yeah, Nathan Phillips. Does Nathan Phillips understand what's going on? He did not. But of course, did Nick Sandman, the kid, understand what was going on? He did not. And what's fascinating is this is after this blew up and everyone was looking at this and they were saying, you know what? You look at all the variables here, including the hats, right? <laughs> and kids taking pictures and being rambunctious and the video is ridiculous. And you don't see the black Hebrew Israelites, right? Who were actually instigators in a number of different ways. But right after this happens, it, it's like social media takes over and everyone comes to their conclusions. And they land on their conclusions. And it was amazing. Because there was no pause. There was no patience or, or the right kinds of questions. 
What's interesting also is that Hollywood, of course, stepped up to the plate. That's always great. And they started making their conclusions. But then by the time that they started to understand more of the details of the situation, things began to turn, right? And people realized, whoa, wait a second. We just smeared, you know, this particular kid and, and those kids back there as well. This was wrong. And so now you've got these Hollywood big shots, and several of them came forward and apologized. Jamie Lee Curtis, she came forward and she was like, you know what? I jumped into my conclusions too quickly. I wish I had what, what she had written about. But then there were those that did not. And what happened to them? All of a sudden, the Twitter sphere attacks them. And now they're attacking these, these Hollywood people who probably should apologize, but they decided not to. And there's all of this communication and it's all this negative stuff. And my point is this. The problem with all of this is how close is the worldview? How immersed are the worldviews? Have they given the time to understand each other? Has the rest of social media given the time and the proximity to understand each other? Where's our responsibility in all of this? Does that make sense? And so wherever you land on this, I'm not going to judge you accordingly. I'm just saying that in the process of trying to understand and discern what people are trying to say, will you put on love and be patient and kind and understanding and a safe place for people to come to? Or will we react? Because that sets us up for the introduction to this series. You can go ahead to the, to the original slide that I had just back there. Um, nope, not that one. Too far. Sorry. Not yet. Right there. That's good. That one comes after, right? Okay, thanks, Ethan. We rehearsed this. Uh, we didn't. So uh, here's, here's the bottom line. Oh, that definition that I gave you before, the goal, the goal of communication is understanding. It might surprise you that I don't like that definition either. It falls short. Listen, if I'm, if I'm having a, a difficult time, so I go for a hike and I'm looking at a meadow, and as I'm standing there, I suddenly feel the hand of my wife who takes my hand and stands beside me. And she doesn't say a word. She's communicating, right? What do I understand? Well, I understand that now she's next to me. I might understand that she loves me. But there's something else that happens there. There's assurance. There's peace in knowing that my lifelong companion will never leave my side. There's something that runs deep down into my heart. And I could say things like, yeah, I really understand her. But those words fall short. There's this depth of knowledge that occurs that's difficult for us to sort of articulate. But it happens in that channel just with her walking beside me and taking my hand. You've experienced this. I know you've experienced this. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Communication doesn't necessarily get to be wrapped up in a cute little diagram with a few words. It runs deeper than that. But the ways in which we're going to have greater communication is through that immersion, right? So when I say the words, knowing Jesus, what does it mean? That's why this is a primer. If we're talking about communicating, what about God communicating with us? 
What about us communicating with God? What about us communicating with Jesus Christ? What aspects of this process apply in the same sense? I've been wrestling with this phrase, knowing Jesus. I've been wrestling with it for several months. I don't like what I read necessarily everywhere, and, and some of it's awesome, and I'm like, wow, you know, Max Licato could write anything. And I just go, oh, you know, and I'm crying and everything. But then I come back, and I step back, and I'm like, is that, is that it? When we talk about knowing Jesus, what is it that we're talking about? What is that connection? Is it possible that in our communication with God, we might find ourselves knowing him in intimate ways that are difficult to describe, just like as if my wife were to hold my hand, especially during a difficult moment. This process right here is happening all the time with you. But when we talk about how God communicates, it changes a little bit. Here's what happens. We have the same type of communication. I use God as the sun, light, right? Okay, so here's, here's God right over here. And what he's going to do is this. He's going to encode a message into humans, People, right? Prophets, apostles, it doesn't matter. Um, and so he's going to encode this particular message. In the meantime, there is noise. There is. There just is. It's, it's how he created the universe. Does that mean that his message isn't clarified necessarily in this particular person? No. It, it, it arrives just as he wants it to arrive, but it is inside the mind of a human, right? And he takes that particular message and he absorbs it. Now listen, this could be a prophet, you know, or God speaking into a prophet or into a particular apostle. But what's amazing is this, is that God designs it in such a way that sometimes the message stops here. And sometimes it travels through. Sometimes it's for you. Sometimes it's for you. Is it for you all the time? No, sometimes it's not, but many times it is. How will we know the difference? I'm not going to tell you right now. I want you to ponder it. I want you to open your Bibles. I want you to see how he communicates. The difficult part is this, that even though this is given to the rest of the world, it also has to deal with noise. I gave you a whole list of different ways that the noise is always coming at it in different ways. You don't think Satan uses the noise? You better believe he uses the noise. But if that's true, then is it possible that the amount of love that we put forth from the beginning will help with this process of understanding the message that's been given to us? Is it possible that trying to pull our worldview and submit to another worldview, perhaps God's worldview, the worldview that we would find in scriptures, and submit to it, and read it, but press pause on some of the conclusions that we've already come to, the internal noise that's happening, that we not only would understand, now, now listen, that we, not, that we wouldn't not just understand, but that we would know Jesus. And that's my theory. I think it comes through the Bible, but I also think it comes through the Holy Spirit. I also think it comes through each of us. Jesus repeatedly would say, in the ways that you love each other, you love me. The ways in which we get to know each other, it's like a vessel of getting to know Jesus Christ. 
And so my encouragement to you is this. As we move into this season of trying to understand what does it mean to know Jesus, are you willing to love in extravagant ways? Are you willing to love people that you don't like, whether that's the people at your house or the people in this room, the people that you struggle with, the people with different worldviews? Are you willing to work? Now, for some of you, you cringe inside. You're like, oh, my goodness, he's told us this before. I hate this kind of message, right? Because it makes you feel uncomfortable. Of course you're uncomfortable. It's always going to be uncomfortable. The question isn't whether or not it's going to be comfortable or not. The question is, is will you devote yourself to it? Will you commit yourself to it? Will you roll up your sleeves and do the work? Yeah, reading the Bible can be tough. Yeah, speaking with other people with other conclusions, especially religious conclusions, can be very tough. But will you have the patience the kindness, the safety, the strength to be with each other, to bear one another, and to love each other. That's my question to you. If that didn't make sense, you can ask me questions afterwards. Let's pray. Great God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the fact that, Lord, you came down on this earth. You dwelt among us. You allowed yourself to take the form of a man. What a tremendous gift, that alone that you would surround yourself with a worldview and perhaps even limit yourself in certain ways just so you could feel the earth beneath your feet, feel the emotions that we go through, and even the temptations that we so often come up against. Lord, be with each of us as we continue to communicate with each other, with the world, but ultimately with you. Allow us to embrace this idea of immersion and what it means to draw closer and closer to one another. God, help us, despite the discomfort we might feel, the things that hold us back. Lord, allow us to immerse ourselves more and more, to keep the noise out, to bring clarity of not just the message, not just the understanding, but the love, the depth of feeling, and what it means to be truly known. I thank you, God, for today. I thank you for this church. Lord, I'm so excited for where you'll take us next. But I just ask a special prayer that you give us the courage and that you um, allow us to really work hard at what it means to understand this relationship we have with you, with Jesus Christ. What does it mean to know him? Allow us to focus on the cross. Allow us to move closer and closer towards uh, the end goal. And allow us at the same time to love as many people as we possibly can. Wow, is it difficult. But Lord, your spirit is capable of anything. So Lord, just be with us. I thank you for those who are here, and I ask that you give them safe travels, no matter where they are going. Also, the sicknesses that are all over the place, Lord, I just ask a special prayer that you heal, and that you also be with those who are struggling emotionally and, and whatever they're having to deal with at this time. Be with us, God. Thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.